listening to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstamp for, and thanks for tuning in. God is doing some really neat stuff, and I'm glad to be able to share a little bit of that with you today. Grace Church is starting a few new um, ministry partnerships that we're excited about, and one of those is another podcast called Vitals. Vitals cuts to the heart of the songs that shape our heart. It tells the story of how and why songwriters created specific congregational worship songs. The first episode is already available wherever you're getting this podcast or on the website, vtls.org. I'm including a link in the episode description for your convenience. Check it out. I think you'll like the producer there. On this podcast, however, we're going to start with a bit of a more somber tone as we dig into John chapter 20, episode 2 of our Light and Glory series. We left off last week with Jesus' death on a Roman cross and a lot of unanswered questions from the disciples. How would you react if you watched the man who you thought would deliver you from oppression be executed? There's a lot of turmoil right now, but Jesus is about to let his light shine in those dark places. Let's listen together as Pastor Todd McQueen unpacks John chapter 20. Um, as we get started, we're going to be in the book of John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And as we get started here, you ever those of you that have ever interrogated kids, raise your hand. Had kids and had to interrogate kids, raise your hand. There we go. And as you're interrogating the kids, what do they say? Okay, you walk into the room, and you, well, outside of the room, you hear this loud commotion. You hear a brief scr- a scream or something, and you hear something break. So you go in to investigate. And around the broken object are these children. If you ask who did it, what is a typical response? They point at each other. They point at each other, or if you ask individually who did it, what are they going to say? They did it. They did it. Now, the funny thing is, adults, we do the same thing, but we, we mature in it. Who's guilty of that? Oh, they did it. Or we see something in our house that isn't right, or something in the backyard happens overnight, and we go out there and we're like, somebody did it. They did it. The they becomes this amorphous blob of accusation receivers. We, we like to pinpoint the, the, the cause of something that's going wrong on a they. You walk out in the morning and your car tires are flat. They did it. Well, somebody says, who did it? Well, they did it. Who messed with my stuff? Well, they, they did it. Well, this morning, the disciples are huddled, and Mary talks about a they. Move with me to chapter 20, and we'll start in verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were running, going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. 
And Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. This morning we're going to see, because of Jesus, we got to go. And in the first part of our reading this morning, the first 10 verses, they go, but they go based on what Mary had told them. Something had gone awry. See, it's Saturday morning. Saturday has passed in silence, and now we're in the pre-dawn hours of Sunday morning. And Mary Magdalene finds herself at the tombstone with the stone rolled away, at the grave with the tombstone rolled away. See, in her life, things have gone from bad to worse. Just days before, she'd watched her teacher, her friend, her leader, and her Lord ruthlessly tortured. And she watched him die. Remember last week? She watched her king die. Life is pretty rough. And all she wants to do is go to the grave. So she gets there at pre-dawn hours. And she gets to the burial site, and it's in disarray. No, hold, stop for a second. Your loved one, your friend, has died. You've gone to the funeral. You go to the graveside service, and they say a few days later, you go back real early in the morning. And you walk there, and the tombstone's been knocked over, and the dirt's been dug up. They did something. Vandals or somebody, they did something. So sure enough, she takes off running. She runs with this assumption and goes and gets Simon, Peter, and John. And what does she say? Verse 2. They, a they, a group of theys, somebody has taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. With this news, Peter and John run back, and John wins the frantic race to verify Mary's assumptions. John sees the burial wrappings or the linens lying there, but doesn't go in. Peter goes into the tomb and sees the linens lying there, but notes, they, whoever did this, even left the head covering in a place by itself. John now goes in and sees and believes. I contend this morning what they believe in is Mary's assumption. Mary's news. Somebody has messed with Jesus' grave. you got to check this out. So they do a foot race to get back there and check this out, and sure enough, they did it. For verse 9, For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They didn't get that part. They, the linens are all cool. If we retrace the stories, we're like, well, it's kind of obvious. The linens are, the, the, the burial wrappings are right where they should be. That info goes right straight over their head. All they know, the body's gone. The gravesite's all messed up. And they didn't get the idea. Hey, Scripture has said. Not only did Jesus say it, but look what John says here. Scripture. God breathed and made people. Paul later tells us that when God gives scripture, it is what? God breathed. John, at this point, 
transitions what Jesus had talked about into his narrative as nothing other than Scripture. It is true. And that's also why we read Hosea this morning. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. See, here's a group of people running to assumptions, looking for a they. They're, gr- they're just looking in the dark. You hear a weird noise in the middle of the night, so you get to check things out. No flashlights available. They can't find the switch, and you step on some kid's errant Lego. That's the scene. Life has gotten really dark. Things have not gone well. The gravesite has been messed up. And she sees it and runs off and says, they've done something. So the boys come running. So what do the boys do? Well, Mary, you're right. All right, everybody back home. So it ends. First ten. The disciples went back to their homes. So Mary's left there by herself. Pick up with me in verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the, foot, at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. So Mary sees the light. Mary stays at the tomb weeping. And while weeping, she stoops down and takes another look in the tomb. Mary sees two angels sitting where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the feet. The angels ask, woman, why are you weeping? What is your anguish? Mary explains her tears. They, they have taken away my Lord. I don't know where they have laid him. Mary turns and assuming the gardener would have been there and taken the body, says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I'll take him away. And she turns back away. See, in her grief-stricken moment, in her darkest of mornings, after the horrible weekend, she can't get by. The linens are right there. Two angels and Jesus talking doesn't get her attention. And we look at people going through a hard time and go, why don't you get it? Just take two of these little spiritual aspirins and see me in the morning. Pull yourself together. Yeah, life's pretty tough. We all go through this. No, look, look at this. Mary is the one who's going to interact with Jesus first. The linen clause doesn't pique her interest. Two angels sitting in an empty tomb doesn't catch her by surprise. The voice of Jesus behind her turns around and says, hey, if you take, she looks at him. 
doesn't do anything. This is grief. This is a rough night. Now, I really like John 20 because it's the resurrection, and we like this on Easter, but do not forget the context. This is a really, really rough time in these people's lives. Here's Mary. She was at the cross, by the way. She's there. And what happened to the other disciples, the cool guys of the story? The guy who wrote the book, where's he at? He's back home. See ya. Yeah, Mary, it's messed up. I'm going back home. Lock the doors. She's there. But what does Jesus do to Mary? Mary. Remember when Jesus said, my sheep shall hear my voice. God interacts with her right where she's at, which is her name. Her seeing, her seeing the evidence, everything being a great big neon sign of he is risen doesn't get her attention. What does? God himself. One word. My sheep shall hear my voice. We can interact with people where they are in the toughest of times, and we ought to and we should be. We are not their salvation, but we should point to God. And if they can't see him in the midst of everything that's going nuts, maybe they're kind of like Mary. Maybe we're like Mary. Our last week, our last month, our last six months have been pretty rough. And the people around us are like, you've been reading your Bible, you've been hanging out with people, and you don't, huh? Hold on a second, maybe we're just like Mary. God's got his timing. It says just their name, Mary. And look what she does. Ladies, if I could have somebody read scripture, this is where I'd have a lady yell, Teacher! What do you think she does? Okay, those with know my wife, and she hasn't seen you in a long time, Miss Sarah, what is Miss Deb going to do to you, whether you want it or not? She's going to run up and give you a hug. Can you picture her eyes go from, hey, where's Gardner, dude? Where's the body? To, and Jesus says, go, Mary. I've not, I'm, I got to go home to my dad. But go and tell the brothers. Say to them, Jesus got some ascending to do, and he's going to do that pretty soon. Don't stand here holding me. I don't know the time. From the super hug, the tears of weeping to the tears of joy and her adulation. Or maybe it was the, yeah, it's you. But Mary, go. From the hard time, with the evidence in front of her, she can't see it. Then she sees Jesus and grabs a hold of him. What's the first thing he says? Go. We don't. No way. I bought me a timeshare of Jesus' sanctity. I got seven days of vacation here, man. Jesus, my life's been pretty tough the last week. No, I'm going to put a camp right here. We'll just hold on a second, Jesus. We're going to hold out right here. This is a reconciliation party. You come back from the dead. Let's just have lunch. No, Mary, go. Why? Got things to do. Tell the boys. Tell the boys. 
So Mary goes, she does it. She announces to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and recounts her experience with, their, with, with what happened to her in the graveyard. Now get this. The first evangelistic message of the good news of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead is carried by whom? A woman. Ladies? Well, I'm just, uh, you know. However you see yourself, you are not in any way, shape, or form. Oh, let me get this without being way too passionate. God has called you to a work of ministry is just as important, just as valid. And the first woman to carry the good news of Jesus Christ on Easter morning, the tomb is empty, and Jesus is raised to death, is carried by Mary Magdalene. God has equipped you to do the very same thing, to go into your community, no matter where you are. And I understand, I don't know everybody's situation this morning, but here's a lady that goes from a really tough time to being the very first person to turn on her heels and run and tell people. Grace Church of Ocala wants to equip every single lady in here to go into your community and do exactly the Mary business. Of what? I've seen him. I've experienced him. I got a cool God story. You're not going to believe it, but I'm going to go. Go, Mary. Go, ma'am. Go, ladies. Go and tell them. But according to Mark 16 11, how did the disciples respond to Mary's evidence? Skepticism. Ooh, Mary had a too few many last night. No way. They're skeptics. So let's pick up in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus again said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So it's the end of the first Sunday. Many hours later, and Jesus' followers are locked behind doors. They're scared. They're afraid. See, these guys have just watched their teacher get killed. They're probably next. John had listened to Peter deny Jesus three times in the last few hours. It's a tense environment. And Mary had come to them announcing that Jesus was risen and it didn't make a dent. But on their darkest of days, in a room locked full of despondent fear, Jesus comes in. And what does he say? Peace be with you. Peace? What? Mary's verbal account hadn't made a dent in these guys' mind in the least. The circumstances of their life and how they perceived it hadn't changed a bit, regardless of her news. Peace? What? In the middle of unimaginable grief, fear, and loss. No way we're thinking. That's Jesus' first word, peace? Even to Peter, who had denied him three times? Peace. Jesus shows himself, and in his presence, the first thing he says is peace. 
Think about this. What was the last thing we heard Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. What's the next thing John says? Jesus says, peace. Those two, wed those two together. It is finished, gives you peace. The it is finished, yeah, we like to think about that. That's where he paid for our sins and cool stuff like that. And he rose from the dead that paid for the sin. Exactly. But with the here and now, you're locked in a room of despondent fear. Life has been pretty bad. It is finished means what about now? Peace. So peace cannot be defined by circumstance or nor slogan of the the 60s. This is some different type of peace. Because regardless of the circumstance, how can Jesus promise peace? Because he said, it is finished. Hey, fellas, that's why we read John 16. I want to pray. Before he prays with him, he's talking to him about the Holy Spirit. Hey, life's going to get really bad. You're going to be upset. You're going to have a ton of sorrow in the next few hours. I promise to send you the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to listen to me pray out loud for you. John 17. He knew this was coming. And he shows up. He says, it is finished on the cross. And the next thing he says, peace. What brings joy? What brings peace? Joy is Jesus. Interacting and experiencing him where you are. Peace is... No matter what your circumstances, God hasn't lost. Like, I'm here. I see it. I can take care of you. And I'm with you. Peace. Being sent by the Holy Spirit then, he breathes on him and says, Guys, I know you'd heard me talk about this Holy Spirit thing. It's coming. Peace, then go. What was the first thing Jesus did with Mary? Go, Mary. Go tell him. So he brings the fellows peace, and then what's he say? Go. With a message of forgiveness. John includes in the message of forgiveness both horizontal, horizontal, jeez, Vertical and horizontal implications of that. What do I mean by the vertical? Forgiveness of sin between you and God. Here's the peace. Now go. Here's the message of forgiveness. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus raised from the dead and he's promised to come back. Here's how you take care of your sin issues. John immediately says, hey, Jesus talked about forgiving one another. Now we're talking some hard stuff. I'm okay dealing with God on a one-to-one basis, going to the foot of the cross and dealing with God by myself. Here's my sins. You know it all, and I don't have to talk too loud. But when we start dealing with horizontal, interpersonal relationships and dealing with forgiveness because of what? It is finished, then given peace. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and how he's interacting with these guys there's a message of peace. Now go and forgive one another. Teach forgiveness. How do we teach kids how to forgive? Do we hand them a big, great big book like this big and we throw it at them and say, Robbie, I need you to go home and teach Ian what the word forgiveness is and get this great big old book and throw it at you and you just say, here, Ian, read this. 
Well, Ian's going to walk with you and watch you forgive Rachel. Your kids are going to watch you and Ryan interact with one another. The people at work are going to see you. How do you deal with somebody who sins against you? Wow, our relationship with God and how he has interacted with us to forgive us then has the implications of we were going to interact with people based upon that. Guys, you're going to have to learn to forgive each other inside this locked room. This isn't in the text, but who might have to really work hard at forgiving one another that's inside this room? Peter and John? Imagine the thinking of Peter's mind. I just denied him. And he showed up. The door's locked. He's here. Peace sets us on mission and it gives us the message of forgiveness. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. And see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Seeing is believing. Super skeptic. The skeptic has his moments. Thomas, the twin, wasn't there for the previous encounter. But just like the disciples before him, and just like Mary, the good news of Jesus' resurrection hasn't made a dent in this guy's life. But we have Mary telling the disciples, doing her job of the going and telling, right? We have the disciples, Jesus told them to go and tell, and who did they obviously tell? Tom. Could you see the conversation? Jesus said, go. Who's going to tell Tom? He never believes a word I say. In the Bible, he is kind of pugnacious. He's quick to respond with bold statements. Peter, you going to do it? No, 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 I'm not up. Man, people don't like me that much. I've got a bad reputation right now. John, won't you go? You were there. Well, we've got to go and tell him. So they go tell Tom. I need evidence. Mary, she must have been up too late. And all of you locked in that room, there's no way he teleported in like Star Trek. You guys didn't really lock the doors. I tell you what, I got three criteria. I want to see it, I want to touch his hand, and I want to put my whole hand in his side. Nanner, nanner. I'm going back home. No, come on, hang out, hang out. We got this place to hang out with us, and we're going to lock the doors again because we're still afraid. And, you know, Jesus said peace, and we're still trying to figure that out because that's kind of like so crazy. We never even thought about this. All right, all right, I'll be there. So the first evangelist goes and tells the other fellas. The other fellas go tell more. And so now they're sitting there at the locked doors. And what happens? 
St. Thomas. I heard you talking about. Who told you? Imagine Thomas looking around. He's a super skeptic. Who told Jesus that I said that? Because he can't know that. Come here, Thomas. Look, 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 look. Jesus jumps all the way to number three. Stick your hand in here, Thomas. the skeptic present. Peace. Stop. Jesus says to Thomas, kind of unique to translate this in the end of verse 27, do not disbelieve but believe. Jesus basically says, stop being faithless in faith. Stop the unbelief and show yourself a believer. They're the same words. He puts a negative in front of the first one. He puts a positive on the second. But the second one is an action. Stop over here. Now move over here in an active way. You've met me. You've seen me. You've heard about me. People have been faithful in telling about me. I'm going to meet you in a surprising way, in a surprising circumstance, and I'm going to answer your questions. And so what does he respond with? My Lord and my God. My boss and God. One writer said, So it comes about that the most outrageous doubter of the resurrection of Jesus utters the greatest confession. He's the one that says this. Mary does the, oh, yes, you're here. The other disciples do what? We're not believing you, Mary, but yeah, he showed up and they're doing the peace thing. Who gives the confession of who they see? It's Tom. Tom is the one who gives the bold declaration of who Jesus is. And Jesus says, hey, now that you've seen me, blessed are those who have not seen me yet believe. Remember when Jesus talked about, may those who have eyes to see and ears to hear? Just stop here for a second and look at all the characters. Thomas is not that far out of line. He's just the most vocal. Mary saw what and didn't believe? All the physical evidence in the world. Do a short study on angels, and if you could see one, what happens when you really recognize an angel in the Scripture? You fall down, you're like, oh, this is something. Mary sees two of them and doesn't. She sees the linen and doesn't. She sees Jesus and doesn't believe. And so she hears the voice. So then she goes and tells the disciples, and what do they do? Jesus shows up and says, peace, and gives them the message of going. So they do. And they go to Tom, and Tom's like, what? He's like our friends that are the super skeptic. How many have super skeptics at work? I was born the super skeptic. When they first shared Jesus with me, I'm like, hmm, sure, whatever. Great story. I want evidence. I want to see it. I want to interact with it. But I, don't, I want to highlight the process that God uses of bringing people to himself. Who did Jesus use to tell the disciples? Mary. Who did 
Jesus used to tell Tom, the disciples? Who's he using? People. Who are the messengers in the story? People. Every Sunday we read Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and we call it our what? Our commissioning. This is John's version of the commissioning. And John's way of writing the story, meeting Jesus means what? Peace so you can go. What's the message of the go? There's reconciliation between you and God and each other. Boom. Life in a nice little box. You mean I can figure this life thing out and start on the process of having peace no matter what in the world's going on because of Jesus? Yes. Let's work on that. Now go. Tell others. But they're not going to believe me. You're not going to believe this guy at the work. I could tell this guy at work that tomorrow is Monday and he's going to argue with me. He said, well, according to your calendar... We all have those, right? Okay, Jesus said, go tell him. So God's the one that shows up and says, stick your hand here. Move to verse 30 with me. Now Jesus did many other things in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Why did John write the book of John? There's a quiz. It's on the board. That you may what? Believe. We'll try it again. Class, let's pretend like we're in class, ready? John, why did he write the book of John? He was written that you may believe. And in believing in Jesus gives you what? First off, in any circumstance, with you, life is really, really tough. What does he give you first? Peace. Then he tells you to what? Go. Could you get to say what you want and make it up? What's the message? There's reconciliation between you and, and you and good job. I love books where the thesis statement is right at the beginning and you can highlight it. And when you have to turn in your book report, it's right there at the beginning on page five. Even better if it's in the preface. John puts it where? At the back, at the end of the book. What is John doing? Let me tell you a story. I'm going to tell you this whole story, so you're not going to believe me now, but let me tell you all about Jesus and everything that he did. I was there, and I'm going to go really fast over the first part of his life, then the night in which everything's going to go bad. I'm going to slow down to a snail's pace and give you a ton of detail. And after I'm done with that, maybe then you'll what? Believe. And through belief, do what? Sound like Matthew 28, 18 through 20 yet? Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And you're going, make disciples. Who is John talking about in this story up to this point? The disciples. And what are they doing? What are they in the business of doing? These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. 
is the Son of God. He is God. And that believing you may have life. Life in him today. The good news of Jesus Christ to these people in this room, Tom, Mary, and the gang, was that for when they died? When did this apply? When? When did it start? That very moment in that locked room. Following Jesus brings peace to be able to interact in your life wherever the circumstances are because he is there with a message to go. Because of Jesus, because of seeing him, because of interacting with him, we must go. Do you believe? We went all the way, we're getting really close to being through the end of the book of John. Is it a real deal? Is he, said, is he who he says he is? With the claims that he made that he was God? He really, a king, he was really a king and the king really died. Now we celebrate the king's resurrection and victory over death and sin. Do you believe that? Okay. This is your chance to say, no, I'm kind of undecided because now we're going to like this. What's the result of belief in God and Jesus? Reconciliation between one another. Those two are married. So in our obedience, because of listening this morning with one another... It is a highly reasonable mandate, a command of Jesus, that if you're at odds with somebody in the church family, that you seek reconciliation with one of them, because who said so? Jesus. And we're getting ready to say, say in Matthew 28-20, Jesus is telling the disciples to teach what? All that he commanded. See how these kind of come together? So, will you seek reconciliation if needed? Now, will you go to, with the message to your community? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the easy one first. The answer, yes or no, is yes. But they're not going to believe me. Did the disciples believe Mary? Okay, these are, oh, this must have been the most aggravating in the world for her. Sarah, could you imagine being Mary? You've hung out with these dudes. They've watched Jesus walk on water, for goodness sake. They watched him feed 5,000 out of a kid's lunchbox. I saw him. Right Jesus shows up. Then the whole group. Somebody goes and tells Tom. And Tom's like, mm-mm, evidence, I want three. <sighs> Who shows up? Jesus does again. Okay, so if we're nervous about going into Monday with whomever we're around that's that skeptic or that disbelieving person or the person farthest from God, or maybe it's a self-righteous person that doesn't think they have a need in the world for anything and we're scared to death. Go. Who does the hard work? Who does the heart changing? Jesus does. 
But Mary still had to take the footsteps. Somebody had to go to Tom's house. Will you go? Because of seeing Jesus this Sunday, will you go? Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been helped, encouraged, and challenged by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.